0: Because as a creative director, you can't expect that every single strategy is going to be 100% effective. So we basically take the results and say, okay, what's working? What worked? What didn't work? What can we improve? What actually worked? And we take those insights and we actually adapt the creative decisions to those insights. So a lot of what we do right now is very data driven creative.
1: happy Tuesday and welcome back to Poolside Podcast. This is episode number 133 and I'm your host Rachel Anthony. Today I'm excited to have Leo on the podcast. Leo and I work together at a local PR and communications firm called Anstice. She is the creative director there. She's amazing. She does great work and I am always excited to work with her for some of the clients that we work on together. And in this episode, she shares her journey of starting as an art director and graphic designer and moving her way up into a creative director role. She gives advice for anyone who wants to get into that field and have a career as a creative. I'm always interested to know how people end up where they are today and the steps that they took to get there. I think there's no direct path, especially in some sort of creative or marketing or one of those things where your degree wasn't necessarily the direct path to your job. And so she gives her advice for people who are either getting out of school or in school or just want to switch careers into more of a creative role. We talk about why data analysis is so important when it comes to creating marketing campaigns, and why consumer behavior is key to successful creative. Leo shares what a brand audit is, why she loves them so much, and what the process of building a brand is, and the questions that she asks along the way. We talk about what makes a good brand. We talk about Apple and Tesla, and even a local brand, Drizzle. If you haven't heard of Drizzle, that she's amazing. Um, she creates local honey. I am addicted. I eat at least one jar a month. So definitely try it. I had it for lunch today on my toast. And we also talk about how a brand is more than just the product or the logo itself. It's about the relationship that you're building with your consumer. I am super excited. This is a really great episode, especially if you are in the marketing industry or you are in the creative field. It's really interesting just to hear someone's perspective who has so much experience in working with brands and helping them be successful in their campaigns. So let's jump into it. Here is Leo. Welcome back to Poolside Podcast. I'm excited to have Leo here. We work together at Ansty, so I'm excited to, I feel like not get to know you better, but just hear more of your story. So thanks for joining me on here.
0: Thank you, Rachel. It's it's just really good to be here.
1: Do you want to start with introducing yourself and just sharing a little bit about you?
0: Yeah, for sure. So uh, I am Leo Perez and I just I always like to start by saying I am a mother of two very active and healthy kids, two and four and a wife of a very supporting husband, amazing husband, and born and raised in Venezuela, in Caracas, Venezuela. And, uh, but I'm also Canadian, proud Canadian. I actually migrated here 14 years ago, which is crazy to think about. It just feels like yesterday. And, yeah i mean I, I migrated here without even knowing that i was going to stay and because because of my family they actually you know they they were they got transferred their jobs got transferred here so i you know i just gave it a try and i wasn't expecting to stay for so long but now i call canada my home and uh on a professional level, I am creative director at Anstee's, which is a marketing firm that focuses on using customer insights to build marketing strategies that drive growth to our clients. So we, we're very solution focused and, and our goal is you know, to see good results and, and always improve them for our clients.
1: I love that. And you've been at Anstis for a while, right?
0: Yes. I've been at Anstis over, like, I started four years ago, basically. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's again, it just, it. I don't know. I didn't know how that happened. It just happened so fast. And I guess it's cause it's very f- fast paced industry, just naturally, it's just very fast paced. So it's, it's just mind blowing. I've been already four years at Anstice, but it's, it's been great. I I absolutely love it. Our team is amazing, including you, Rachel. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I just, I absolutely love my job. It's, it's my passion.
1: And did you always want to be like, were you always creative? Is that something that you had since you were in child or in childhood, or was that something you developed later? Like as you were going through school or as
0: you got older? yes I've always been creative I've I've always known that I that I you know I have curiosity in me and I, I I knew I wanted to go into the creative field I wasn't I loved the idea of being a designer I loved how it sounded but I just didn't know what kind of designer what kind of design it to specialize in so I I mean I was very, I was leaning towards fashion, interior, which I, I, I still am very interested in those fields. And, uh, yeah, but I, I ended up being a graphic slash UX designer. And um, it's, yeah, I mean, I've, I've grown and all of the branches of designs, I think they're all connected. And that's that's why I love about my job. But yeah, just to answer your question, I've always been curious and interested. So I knew I I wanted to create. That's always something that I've had in me. Did you go to school for it? Yes, yes. So as soon as I came to Canada, I started at ACAD, which is now known as Alberta University of the Arts. And um, again, I, I actually took a year just to kind of orient myself and get familiar with different branches that the art industry offers. And um, I, I went into visual communications program and I actually did my major. I, 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 my major is visual communications, but also advertising. So I did a double major and Yeah. I, I, I mean, I literally as soon as I got into ACAD, I submerged into that world. I remember I was very, very focused, and I was just fasci. It was a fascinating world to me, and I met a lot of interesting people and uh, from around the world, which is the beauty of of Canada.
1: Yeah, definitely. When I feel like you also. Like I never went to Acat, I went to UC. So I feel like it was a different type of community that are in those schools. But I feel like being surrounded by so many like creative people that think in a different way would have been an experience in itself.
0: Absolutely. I met like I met so many people from different cultures and different industries and or not industry, sorry, interests. And, uh, I, I learned a lot from them and I was very inspired by them, but I also think I, I'm, I'm kind of like on the same boat right now. I think, you know, working at a, at a marketing firm, I, I feel everyone's creative and everyone, or I think everyone's creative. That's kind of like my philosophy and it doesn't really, you might not know it, but you are creative and, um, and uh, I mean, I've always believed that good ideas can come from anyone. But, you know, it, it yeah, definitely art school was a very inspiring world to be in. And, and that kind of motivated me to get my double major.
1: And so, you came out of school as like a graphic designer. And so how did you end up now as a creative director? I feel like there's a lot of people that are either in school or just finished school, or maybe are just starting out as a graphic designer, but their end goal is to be a bigger, more rounded role, like a creative director. So what were some of the roles you had, or is there anything that really contributed to your growth as a designer that led to a more creative role?
0: Yeah, so I can I'll I'll tell you tell you a little bit about my journey and how I got here, but ultimately I think my basically my ticket into the industry was my portfolio. And to anyone that wants to get into this field, my suggestion, my my advice would be work hard on your portfolio and make sure that it actually reflects who you are and. And not, not your, not only from a visual standpoint, because of course, when I see a portfolio from a creative, I want to see, it needs to be impeccable. Right. And, but I also want to see the way they think. And, um, so that's, I know that that's, I remember that's something that I was very passionate about and I worked really hard to get the portfolio that I, that I wanted and that I, you know, that I was actually proud of. And uh, so I basically focused on, on that. And again, that was my ticket for my first job, which I, it was just fresh out of school. I landed a job in a well-known agency here in Western Canada and um, as a junior art director. And that was an amazing experience. I, I, you know, I learned a lot. I I was a sponge. I was absorbing everything, learning a lot from my mentors, from my creative director at the moment, copywriters, project managers. And uh, they gave me a lot of responsibility. I've, I've never really been a shy person. So, you know, they immediately, they put me client facing and I was like, yeah, get on it. Like I, I'm I'm here, I, I, you know, I love the experience and, and, uh, but I did take a risk. I I think that was, um, you know, kind of like out of my comfort zone, which after three, three years and a half working in, in this agency as a junior art director, I decided to take a sabbatical and uh, I just felt stuck. And I've always, I've always been, um, I've always liked to feel free. And, uh, and I just felt kind of stuck in, in, in my role and I wasn't kind of learning or, or, in a, in a professional level, economic level and several levels, personal as well. And I decided to take a sabbatical. So I went traveling for a few months, uh, through Europe. And, uh, that was a huge risk because I, when I came back, I had nothing in line for me. So I was like how, everyone in my family they were questioning my my decision. They were like you you know you had a great job and now what? So I as a creative there's always stuff out there. People are always seeking for creative minds. So I started freelancing and it went really well. I mean it's it's very kind of ups and downs, ups and downs. You get really busy at first, it can slow down. And uh, but freelance, I felt it was kind of my niche because again, it gave me the the freedom that I was looking for. But at the same time, it you know I was doing what I liked and and I was developing my passion. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've been freelancing since then, and uh, I you know through through networking, which you know I've I. I think it's really important. I've been to, I I try to go to events and uh, industry related events and stay in touch with my friends and people that I know and that are in the industry and and not even, even clients. And, you know, I, I remember I stayed in touch and I wasn't afraid of, you know, calling them or sending them a line saying, would you like to grab a coffee or lunch or even wine and even better. And um, that's kind of like how, I landed at Anstee's because it was through, um, a friend of mine, which actually started as a client and we became good friends and he happened to be really good friends with the CEO of Anstee's, And it was just the right moment for me to jump into the role as I started as a, an art director again. And, you know, Anstee's, like I said, I, I, I think we've grown together and, um, it's been great to see that evolution of, of the firm, but yeah, I mean, I've always like, I think overall, I've always been really open-minded to, to opportunities. I didn't mention this, but I actually did, um, I worked at the Royal Terrell Museum. I got an amazing opportunity as well. And, uh, This was prior to taking my sabbatical, but I I took that opportunity and they asked me to design um, an exhibition there in the museum, which was amazing, but completely out of my element. This was 3D design, you know, again, working with uh, interior designers and um, in the paleontology area, which, you know, I wasn't too familiar with. Again, completely opposite of who, who I am, but I took the opportunity and absolutely loved it. I developed a passion for, for paleontology and, and, uh, you know, I, I guess I think I've, like I said, I've always been open-minded and I'm, I was willing to take risks. And I think, you know, it, you work hard to, to get where you want to go without that feeling of being scared inside or, or that fear inside of you. I think you, you need to let that go and, and go for, for what you want.
1: Definitely. And I feel like a lot of people struggle with that because you put so much pressure on yourself to do good work and like not mess up and think about what other people are going to think about your work. And so taking those risks can be, scary especially when it is something like creative or like that can be subjective I think to what people like or don't like but I totally agree with you that you won't grow and you won't learn if you're if you don't go outside of your comfort zone because you just keep doing what you know you're good at then you'll just like you said you kind of just get stuck and that's not it's not good totally um so do you want to explain what you do as a creative director just for like myself personally, and then also for everybody else, I feel like it's a very like vague title.
0: Yeah, no. And I think for sure. And I, I think people might think there's a limit to my role and so, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll kind of give you a a bit of a hint of what I do. So basically we i call myself a strategist and a marketer and basically what we do is we get insights and data from consumer behaviors and we implement those insights into strategy and uh, and that's when the creative uses they actually start start working you know in 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 implementing that creative strategy and and of course then there's the execution phase but like i said a lot of people think that's it that's my role however it is not that's actually when it gets interesting in in my opinion because as a creative director it's not only execution and it's not only you know there's obviously a, a, a lot of being you need a, a selective eye for talent and and you obviously are trying to find the right person for for that specific project but A lot of my role right now is analysis. And we, as a team, we actually analyze a lot of the results from creative decisions that were made before. And uh, because as a creative director, you can't expect that every single strategy is going to be 100% effective. So we basically take the results and say, okay, what's working, what worked, what didn't work, what can we improve, what actually worked. And we take those insights and we actually adapt the creative decisions to those insights. So a lot of what we do right now, it's very data-driven creative. It's, you know, it's, you mentioned the word subjective Rachel and I, and I think absolutely there's, you know, there's room for subjectivity, but nowadays There's, you know, we can back up um, uh, a creative decision by the insights that we get and the results. So, you know, I think that's, that's what makes my, my role organic. You know, it's always adapting the creative and, uh, and making and having that human behavior dictate our creative decisions.
1: I think that's a really powerful thing for people to take into consideration because I feel like the old school way of thinking about marketing is that you're just like throwing things out, hoping they work, but you really have no ROI. And people were never willing to put a lot of money behind it because there wasn't like a direct result or a direct like business outcome. But I think like what you're saying now is that there's so much data and there's no reason to not be able to track and analyze what your marketing is doing. And then going a step further with your role to help analyze that and then put it back into creative for the next time to make it even more effective. And I think that that's what all marketing should be now, even though I don't think that's what everyone's doing.
0: Exactly. And I think we, I mean, we have the tools out there, to actually get all this information from the behaviors, and let's you know, let's take, leverage those and use them to our advantage. And listen, like, I, I think, the most important part of of a of a marketing firm or a strategist is to listen. Listen to what the customers asking for, what they're expecting, what they need, what they're trying to solve. So, so yeah, I mean, it's obviously there's, there's a lot of design involved and I love the execution phase, but I, I, I know that a lot of people actually think that's, that's it. That's my role. I'm a designer and I make things pretty, which is not the case. I mean, it, there's, there's a lot of thinking behind it. And what we try to do is basically streamline all that thinking and make it digestible for the consumer to actually ultimately just select your brand.
1: Right. And so I know, especially right now, just because I, I know what kind of work that Anstice is doing, that you do a lot of brand audits and help with rebranding for companies. Do you want to walk us through what that process looks like? Like what questions you ask or what things you take into consideration?
0: Yes. Because I brand audits are my favorite exercise now, <laughs> nowadays. So as you know, but I just want to start by explaining what a brand audit is because there's I think in marketing there's a lot of repetitions or different terminologies that at the end they just mean the same it brand audit is basically collecting it's a collection of assets and uh, from that actually form your brand and we put All of them in a white canvas. We organize them chronologically. So basically, we create a timeline of your brand. So that way, basically, we have a full sight of the evolution of your brand. So that's what a brand audit is. And we work with very closely with a client. and, And as a team, we can collect all these assets and And again, we just place them all in one landscape. So us as the the strategic leads and the client have full sight. So that's what a brand audit is. However, a brand audit doesn't mean a brand strategy. A brand audit is basically part of the brand strategy. So when when we're strategizing for a brand, we... Of course, the visual elements and the messaging, the brand voice matters, of course, absolutely. And that's the purpose of the brand audit. But we also do market research, right? we It's very important to understand who you're speaking to, who you're talking to, who you're aiming towards. And uh, and then we also do a competitor's analysis. It's, it's also key to understand what others are doing, direct competitors and non-direct competitors. It's you know it's it's really important to understand that and to have that competitors landscape in order for you to know what's going to differentiate you and uh, having all of this information we actually position your brand within the competitive landscape and we say okay this is this the here's where you will stand out here's where where your consumer can notice you, and, and will basically, again, select your brand or consider your brand, which is, which is what we want. And, and, I, and I'm very passionate about triggers nowadays, which is basically the starting point of the consumer's decision journey. And the trigger is exactly when your consumer realizes they have a problem and so you ask me what questions do i ask when i when i build a brand audit or a or a strategy is what are you trying to solve so you have to understand what your what your what the problem is what your consumer needs and then focus on the solution and um, and i think having all that information nailing it down it's it's, it's gonna help you, you know, take through or think, and, and yes, take the customer through through that customer journey, and make sure that those brand brand touch points are, you know, have the right message, in order for them to actually consider your brand, select your brand, and then actually throw them into that loyalty loop, and uh, and that's when you know, obviously, having a good product and a good service plays a big role here and you know once with the marketing material actually did did its job you know we we rely on on the actual product and and also customer service just to keep them spinning because that's ultimately what we want right we want loyalty from our consumers and we want them you know to stay with us and and to refer our brand so (laughs) yeah I mean I, I know I extended myself a bit, but that's that's kind of like the um, the big picture of of why we do a brand audit and where does the brand audit fit within this the whole strategy
1: right. and I think, It's easy for people to understand branding and like the loyalty that you're talking about when they think about like big brands like Apple and McDonald's and Coke and all the ones that have really put in the money and the time to build those brands. And I think most people just don't think about it unless you're in marketing for how genius their branding really is because you buy their products because of their branding, not necessarily because of the product. And I feel like that's almost one of the end goals that all brands have is to make that connection with the brand rather than the actual product.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I tell this to my clients all the time, your brand is not just, just your logo. You know, it's, it's the feeling that the logo and your, that, that your product or that your service actually creates or provokes to your consumer. So, I mean, yes, I I think a lot of startups or like small, medium businesses, they tend to compare themselves with the big brands like Coca-Cola or Apple. And that's okay, that's aspiration, but you need to understand also that all of these big companies, they do mass marketing. And because they, first they've been longer in the market and they have a bigger budget. So a budget actually plays a big role into your strategy and which is not very common for a creative to say, but it's, it's true. And, uh, you know, when a, a, small business or a medium-sized business comes to us and they say, okay, I want a brand campaign and I want a polar bear. Like I, I want to, you know, compare myself to, to Coca-Cola. I'm like, wait, wait, wait they, you know, they're doing mass marketing. They have a huge budget. You need to be effective with your budget and actually aim towards the customer that you know that they're actually looking for that specific product or service. And that, and how are you going to do that? By actually provoking an emotion in them. Right.
1: And, would you say that that's a combination of like the types of campaigns and the type of content that you're putting out there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we 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 are personalizing our our material, our creations, and the beauty of Anstee's is that we actually have a research and insights department, which it actually gives us direct contact with those insights and behaviors it from the behavior, sorry, from the consumer behavior. And, uh, we, we do base that we, we base the, um, all our salute or all our strategy into, into that human science, ultimately to get the better results and to be effective with, with the budgets, right. That the client has, we, we, it's like shooting, arrows in a foggy day, rather than shooting arrows in a clear day, right? If you, if it's foggy, you're just going to shoot arrows and see what you get, can get. If, if it's a clear day, you're going to go directly to your target and, and you'll know you'll be effective.
1: Definitely. And I feel like it is taking the time to understand your customer and to do the research and look at the analytics where I feel is a lot of people just want like the short term, big, like viral video type of situation where building a brand is much bigger than that. And to build that loyalty, it takes longer than just like one campaign or a couple months.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And again, they, I mean, you want to also expand beyond your low hanging fruit, right? You want to again, focus on expand your demographic and, uh, and talk to, to the right person with the right message.
1: Right. And what would you say are some of the other misconceptions about building a brand? I know you touched upon them about that. It's not just a logo and it's more about loyalty, but what other, what other things come to mind when you think about what people are getting wrong about building a brand?
0: Yeah. So some of, from my experience, a few clients, they have the mentality that, you know, they come to us and say, we need a brand Leo. Leo please develop our brand. And sure. I I mean, like I said, I I would take the opportunity and I am a very passionate about branding, but I'm not going to develop the brand for you. I'm going to help you. I'm basically going to give you the starting point of your brand. And again, going back to that logo, the logo, not being your brand, we're basically putting, giving them the seed of their brand but they still once once we you know once we finish the create the the deliverables for them let's say you know they they gave us they give us specific deliverables like design a logo design the website and uh, you know they, they gave us they give us kind of like a multi-channel strategy to design for them and develop for them that's amazing yes of course but it, that's not it that it your brand doesn't end there you know, you have to, again, it's, it's just the seed. You have to take care of it. You have to water it for it to grow. And you mentioned big companies like Apple and, and Coca-Cola and um, Toyota. Those brands, they, there's a lot of work behind them. And and there's a lot of thinking behind them. And that's the reason why they are where they are now. And I remember um, not, not long ago, a client came to us and say, we need to, and Rachel, I think you were in this conversation. They came to us and say, said, we need a tagline and we want it to be as catchy as just do it. And I was like, okay, sure. We'll, we'll give you some, you know, a short and sweet tagline. However... Just do it. The success of, of just do it. It's not just because of the combination of the words. It's what Nike actually made out of it. And again, there there was a team behind it. There was strategy, there was thinking behind just do it. And it was brilliant. It's brilliantly executed. And it's, it's been in the market for a while now, but You know, my first reaction to the client was absolutely, we'll get you, you know, we'll get, we'll give you options for taglines, but you know, it doesn't end there. You need to stay true to it and always, you know, water it, water that seed that we're giving you and, and make it grow. So I think that's, you know, that's to me, that's the biggest misconception that I've seen in, in my, in my journey as a creative And, uh, yeah, I mean, people, they kind of underestimate the, the power behind a brand. And it's, again, it's not just the visuals that you see it's there's, there's more to that.
1: Definitely. And like you said, it's a lot of thinking going into it, a lot of budget and a lot of time. And Mm -hmm. usually people are just not patient enough for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, and what are some of the businesses? I know we've talked about a couple big ones. But what are some businesses or companies that you really think have nailed their branding?
0: Yeah, so I'm gonna mention one which is local, and I'm very proud of It's drizzle Honey. I'm sure you're familiar. Yes. I love yes. drizzle. Mm-hmm. I know. and, I, well, I I don't know if you are, if you know this, but I actually worked with the, with the founder of Drizzle a while ago and I helped her develop her brand. And I was actually, I did some old packaging design for her. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. I've had her on the podcast actually. Okay. Yeah. I mean, she, she's amazing. And uh, it's just, I'm very, very proud of, you know, being part of it. And I just. To what we chatted before you know this is a great example of how to grow your brand and evolve your brand and make something out of it rather than just being a logo and um, it's been amazing to see her growth and how she even how she has grown from regional to nationally and and also how she has expanded her product and, but at the same time, she has stayed true, true, true to herself and her product and her brand and what she actually believes in. So I think that's a true example and, a and, um, yeah, someone to really look up to.
1: Yeah. No, I think okay. she's done. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say that. I mean, there's, there's a huge contrast here, but I wanted also to mention uh, Tesla. It's a <laughs> it's one of the big ones we chatted about those and you know the mass marketing that they do but tesla it's i think it's amazing that they're not the only electrical cars in market but when you buy tesla you're not actually buying an electric car an electric car you're actually buying status and that's all because of the brand and uh and then they, have, I also think they have also been brilliant at their marketing strategy behind it. They actually have a very strong referral, uh, referral program, and they're basically leveraging the fact that word of mouth is the most effective way to promote your product or service. So it's, it's definitely one of the ones that I look up to as well. And, and, um, yeah, I mean, they have a great product, which is important. Same as Russell. They, you know, they really pay attention to that, but they also have a lot of thinking and a lot of strategy behind it. And they stay true to what they actually sell.
1: Exactly. And yeah, like you said, you, you're not buying the product, you're you're buying the Tesla name, which I think, I mean, there's lots of big brand names that come to mind, but I think that that is a great aspiration for businesses starting out and understanding the importance of branding is to see like how that can come to fruition if you really take the time to build that brand. Exactly. And for someone who wants to evolve their brand, like we have a lot of business owners that listen to this um, or just solopreneurs and they don't have the budget to hire somebody like you, what are some of the smaller steps they can take themselves to evolve their brand, grow their brand into something that we've been talking about?
0: Well, my advice to them would be nail down your persona, understand who you're talking to and, and listen to them. There's a lot of tools out there social media being one, all of those platforms, they give you the, um, they're actually evolving and giving you the option to actually listen to what they have to say and what they want. And, and I think that that would be, for me, that would be my starting point. You know, I want to understand my person, who am I talking to? And the more specific, the better. And, uh, especially when you're starting the, the, the more specific, the better. And then, as you grow your company you can start expanding that demographic and even even your product or your service but to me that's that's the most most important part i also i mean there's a lot of free tools and and even award winning templates out there for you to actually execute and and create your your visual elements of your brand I mean, you can you can definitely use those tools, and but again, think about them. Like p- put intentions and 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 rationales behind every decision that you make. And uh, because again, as designers and as creators, we we not only create or draw lines. You know, we put a lot of thinking behind it. And I'm a very conceptual person, so I always like to have a. A rationale behind every decision that I make. And, and I mean, take advantage of those tools that are, that you have out there. And, uh, but again, those tools, they're not going to think for you. They're going to execute. They might help you with the aesthetics, which is great. But, you know, if you're starting a company and uh, there's, there's no there's no one else that's more familiar with what you're doing and with your project and your passion. So just put some thinking into it. Just don't underestimate the value of, of your brand.
1: And how important is creative when it comes to, to that and when developing your marketing strategy or a campaign?
0: Yeah, well, we chatted a bit about that competitive landscape. And ultimately, what you want to do is stand out, right? And we actually live in a very saturated market. So how can you stand out? So first of all, originality has been proven that is more effective than a non-creative ad. And um, that's how you actually create emotions, And that's what ultimately you want, and that's how you can stand out. You know, creating that emotion, provoking an emotion to your to your potential consumer, and um, and focus on the solution. What are you again? What are you trying to solve for your consumer? And try to come up with a unique. You know, it's it it's unique solution basically, you know, and that's when the originality comes into play. For example, I I mean, you can buy a coffee, a cup of coffee, but why would I buy a $5 cup of coffee if I can cross the street and buy a $1 cup of coffee? It's probably because of the $5 coffee is again, it's making me feel something. And, uh, yeah I mean it it you asked me how important it is. I would say ten out of ten <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely, especially in like this very visual world that we're living in now with everything on your phone and everything's in your face all the time. it does need to be original definitely because we see so much all day
0: exactly yeah and I and I mean also originality also comes simplicity and you know a lot of clients and come or, or a lot of brands they actually tend to add too many messages into one ad because again they want to they want basically to see really good results in ROI but they what what's been proven is that if you actually focus on one main message, on that main solution, in a creative way and and unique way, that will be the hook that will actually kind of grab the attention of of your con- consumer when in in these in the face of the trigger, which we chatted before.
1: And what trends are you seeing right now in terms of creative for campaigns?
0: I feel like I've chatted a lot about data driven creative, but that's that's basically the trend and I think you know that's that's what's dictating creative nowadays and a lot of brands what they're doing is customer segmentation, which they're segmenting their demographic in order to tailor a specific message to that specific person. And I know and I know Rachel you probably know this because I mean you, you're a huge influencer here in, in Calgary and um, you, you tailor your content. And I always see you often, you know, asking questions. What do you want to see? What you, what? So it's basically, you know, us as consumers, because I'm also a consumer, you know, we we are very sophisticated and very demanding. And I want, if I expect to see an ad, I want that ad to speak to me. So I would say personalized creative, it's, it's what the future is. And, uh, and like I said, a consumer nowadays, are they're very nonconformist. You know, they, they want the ads to speak to them. And again, back to that feeling, they want to feel.
1: Exactly. And I think the fact that on social media that you can hide ads or tell whatever platform you're on that you don't want to see that ad again, because it's not for you. I think that's really powerful in showing that we are very specific about what we want to see and we want it to be personalized and really for us. Like there's nothing that I love more than seeing an ad. And I'm just like, wow, that was a great ad. I will buy that product because you just appreciate the campaign and the creative that went on behind whatever
0: it is you're seeing. Totally. It's, It's, it is speaking to you and, and we as consumers, we appreciate that.
1: Exactly. And- because we have so many ads all the time too. You really notice when one is standing out.
0: Yeah, totally. And, and again, going back to that originality, you know, it's speaking to you, it's speaking your language and it's unique, right? It's, it's kind of standing out from the crowd and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, we do live in a very saturated market. So that's, that's key nowadays, you know, personalize your, your message.
1: Exactly. I just have a couple more questions for you. And the next one is more of a personal question and also a very selfish question from my perspective, because I know you're really busy all the time. And so I just want to know what tools you use to keep yourself organized, like your projects and your time. How do you do all of that?
0: Well, actually, I don't know if I'm going to be much help here because I, when it comes to um, organizational tools, I'm very traditional (laughs) and I'm not as tech savvy that as, as people think I am. And I, I literally, I just keep, I, I need paper and pen that's all i need and a pencil and and i just do my to-do list and something that i do that i do is i like to see the the big picture so if i'm working on a project you know that it's let's say divided in several phases i focus i like to see and have always insights the 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 big picture but i go day by day so i actually have a uh, a week view pad next to me all the time. And that goes from Monday to to Friday. And uh, I just have view of of, of what's coming next. So basically kind of like my short term goals. And, and I want, yeah, I mean, that helps me because otherwise it just gets very overwhelming. And I just go day by day, but again, never losing sight of, your main goal. It's, you know, you always, if you have a goal for a specific client or, or project, I, I tend to even write it down and put it as a sticky note on my wall. So I can always have sight of that. And cause it's very easy when you're busy and obviously, you know, life happens and I have kids and everyone has a life and, it's easy to deviate and, and, uh, and just change directions or, or lose that focus. So again, I'm traditional. I I only need a pencil and a piece of paper that, you know, just a few lines that would just separate those days of the week and sh- focus on those short-term goals. I'm
1: exactly the same. And I have just a planner with my to-do list for, all the days and I'm the same. And, but I keep asking people because I'm just waiting for someone to like give an easier technological answer, but everything <laughs> seems so complicated. And I'm like, well, if it's all on my phone or my computer, like, I feel like I'm missing something and I'm the same. I need to like write it down, cross it mm-hmm. off. And then I know that it's, it's done.
0: Yeah, exactly. And well, I I've been using, for example, Basecamp, which is, I'm finally getting familiar with it, and uh, just to organize projects and keep everything archived, it, we use Slack as well, which I I'm getting used to it as well for kind of quick, direct communication for someone just to chat. But again, I'm traditional, and if and you know me, Rachel, if I want to talk to you, I will call you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm like, do you have a second? If not, I'll call you later. But I, you know, I'm. I know I, I I don't think I'm much help here, but yeah, it's it just I think the only advice is that it's just, you know, keep sight of what you're actually doing of your goal. Never lose focus. But yeah, just set up your short term goals as well. And and that way you won't get overwhelmed because it, it it is overwhelming every time I open up my calendar and I see the full month. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm getting a heart attack. So I'm like, no, 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 go back to the, to the weak site. And yeah, just that, that really helps.
1: Definitely. No, I totally agree. Never look at it from the big picture. Otherwise you'll not want to do anything. So
0: exactly, lose energy. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, and where can people find and connect with you?
0: Yeah. So i um, I'm very active in social. And so I think the easiest way for you to contact me is it would be through LinkedIn. You can DM me through LinkedIn or my Instagram. It, my Instagram has a lot of my personal stuff in that. Like I, <laughs> I tend to, to board people with my kids <laughs> all the time, but it's, I mean, I'm, I'm very active, like I said. So I, I will, I, I will definitely, I won't miss an, a DM for sure.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on here and
0: sharing all of your creative wisdom. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Rachel. I really enjoyed it. And I love being here.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of Poolside Podcast. I hope you learned a lot from Leo. She is very knowledgeable in the branding and creative field. And I always like chatting with her. If you could subscribe to my podcast if you could rate and review it it really helps a lot and shows apple and spotify that this is a podcast worth listening to also if you have any questions about the podcast or if you have any suggestions for future guests please dm me on instagram either at poolside digital or at almost famous with two and i will see you next
0: week